The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. in CNBC, and here is your top five at five. Stocks looking to bounce back, coming off a very rare down week. Futures, they are higher. So what will be the driving force right now? Bitcoin driving higher, back above 50K as cryptos mount a comeback. The FDA reportedly ready to give Pfizer's vaccine full approval. Could that drive a new round of shots? The Afghanistan disaster. President Biden changing course, saying the U.S. may stay in the country longer as more American troops are on the way. And is the president's more than $3 trillion new spending plan now at risk as members of his own party may start to back away? It is Monday, August 23rd, and this is... Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you might be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining us on this very busy Monday. And why don't we get right to it, to your Monday money. Futures, they are higher right now. Not a lot. Dow futures up just over 100. All markets about up two to three-tenths of 1%. Now, minus a slight hit last week, the markets, they have been red hot. All major indexes but small caps are up in August. Now, the focus of the markets this week was going to be the Federal Reserve's Jackson Hole Conference at the end. But now that event just went virtual. And some on the street are saying it's just not going to have the same maybe firepower in the markets. We're going to see again that will take place at the end of the week. Still, we are seeing markets higher right now. What's not been higher is oil. It has been a disaster in August. It is down 14% this month. Now, it's up right now 3.5%. But still, we are at 64.22. One reason for oil's weakness is the U.S. dollar has been strong. In fact, it has actually been, long dollar, one of this year's best trades. And that hurts things like oil that are priced globally in dollars. So watching dollars. All right, let's go now around the world. A strong start to the new trading week in Asia. Major indexes there up 1% or more. Look at that. Japan, up nearly 2%. Hong Kong, up more than 1% as well. Kind of a similar story, maybe not to the magnitude. In Europe, the markets there also higher as optimism over economic growth and central bank support are helping power stocks there. Bottom line, folks, there is a lot of green on the screen all around the world this Monday morning in August. We have certainly got a lot to do on this busy Monday. So let us get right to it and hit some of your key headlines, including what may be the first formal approval of a COVID vaccine yet. Contessa Brewer is here and has more on that and more. Contessa, good morning. Good morning to you, Brian. Yeah, the FDA is set to give approval to Pfizer's shot as soon as today. That's according to The New York Times. It would become the first COVID vaccine to go from emergency use authorization to full FDA approval. 
The Times reports the timeline on full approval could slide past today as paperwork and negotiations with that company continue. The FDA declined to comment on the report to CNBC. Shares of Pfizer are higher on that news, as you can see, up 3% in extended trading. We're seeing an uptick in vaccinations in this country. The White House revealed roughly 1 million shots had been administered Saturday. It was the third consecutive day that milestone was hit. And overseas, we have news from PayPal announcing it's launching its crypto service in the U.K. The company says it will let customers buy and sell starting this week. It marks the first international expansion of PayPal's crypto product, which first launched in the U.S. last October. And Vice President Kamala Harris kicked off her trip to Southeast Asia in Singapore, announcing a new agreement with leaders there. Harris and that country's prime minister unveiled new initiatives on supply chains and cybersecurity and climate. And before leaving for the trip, the vice president told reporters she spoke with GM CEO Mary Barra on the global chip shortage and U.S. reliance on countries in that region for technology. Following her stop in Singapore, Harris heads to Vietnam later this week. Brian. All right, Contessa, we'll see you in a few minutes. Contessa Brewer, thank you. Well, that Asia trip by the vice president coming as the Biden administration continues to deal with the growing disaster in Afghanistan. As thousands of Americans or those who allied with America remain stuck in the country and fearing for their lives. And now President Biden backtracking and saying we may have to keep more troops there for longer, even as more American soldiers are on their way to Afghanistan. NBC's Jay Gray joining us now from D.C. with the very latest. Jay. Hey there. Good morning, Brian. And President Biden continues to defend his decision to withdraw troops from Afghanistan while acknowledging that process has been, quote, hard and painful this morning. There's no indication it's going to get any easier there. Crowds and chaos continue to build outside the Kabul airport. U.S. troops extending the so-called safe zone there. The security environment is changing rapidly. Senior administration officials acknowledging there's now concern about possible terrorist threats targeting Americans and Afghan allies. The threat is real, it is acute, it is persistent, and it is something that we are focused on with every tool in our arsenal. The pace of evacuation flights has intensified. The White House says 11,000 people were evacuated during a 36-hour period over the weekend, 30,000 since the process started in July. But there are still tens of thousands on the ground desperate to get out. The president acknowledging for the first time publicly that there have been discussions about sending in more U.S. troops and keeping them in the region past his end-of-the-month deadline. There's discussions going on among us and the military about extending. As the situation at the airport continues to fall apart. And a State Department memo obtained by NBC News indicates that each time the gates are open there at the airport in Kabul, around 150 unauthorized people get in, Brian. So still a lot of chaos on the ground there. Yeah, there certainly is. Uh, Jay, talk to us about the president asking or requiring American airlines to send their commercial United American Airlines, actual U.S. planes going to Afghanistan to try to help this effort. 
Well, uh, let's let's make it clear, Brian, they're not actually heading into Afghanistan, per se, but there are 18 commercial airline jets that are now flying to what are those third party transfer point countries. So they're going in and picking up a lot of the evacuees who have been transferred to a holding spot and bringing them to the U.S. And that's likely going to continue for quite some time. Got it. So that would be areas that are more friendly and safer in the region, for example. All right, Jay Gray in Washington. Jay, a big story there. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right, now, back to the markets and your money and just how strong stocks really have been. Check out this pretty amazing statistic. The S&P 500 has now gone 200 sessions without a 5% pullback from a recent high. Does that sound impressive? Well, it should. It is the longest period it has done that since 2016, and it has only occurred eight times in the entire history of the S&P 500. So does it signal maybe more money-making ahead? Let's bring in Mark Hayfley, Chief Investment Officer at UBS Global Wealth Management. It is his stat that we stole and put in the intro, Mark. It is good to have you on the program. I mean, we've been talking about this lack of a pullback, but did not realize until you gave us that, thank you, that it had been five years since we have seen it. It's pretty cool, but does it matter to any kind of a future indicator? Well, I think what matters is how strong the earnings are uh, that under underpin that. And you know, right now uh, we've got global growth at seventeen percent nominal when you include the real growth and the inflation, and that bodes very well for continued earnings growth going forward. So, you know, we've got a return from orbit because we're, we're in the stratosphere or the exosphere right now. And there's questions about what that return looks like. But we think the inflation will come down. The growth will remain strong. And that's a great base for the S&P 500. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe buying begets buying, momentum begets momentum. Obviously, there's a lot of tailwinds here for this market. By the way, Mark, you're global, not just here. The European markets have actually been better than our markets. Asia, very strong. Is this truly kind of a global phenomenon? Well, the the recovery has been global. I think one of the things that we've been very focused on is following the reflation trade as it makes its way around the world. And we started with Asia, and then we moved to the United States, and then we moved to Europe. And, you know, we've had some wobbles with uh, Delta, but we're looking ahead, for example, towards Japan, where they really haven't had the reopening yet. And we think that is a market that can see upside as reflation takes hold there as well. Yeah, you mentioned that. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of concern about the Delta variant or the Lambda variant, whatever may be coming next. There's some positive developments in terms of uh, data out of Singapore, in terms of the vaccinated. By the way, I put that on my social media. People want to check that out. But doesn't sound like you and your team are that worried about this recent rise in COVID cases and, by the way, some hospitalizations with regards to the economy, earnings or the markets. Why not? Well, I think that, uh, you know, if you look at where we are right now, first, you know, if you look at the CDC data and the the seven-year rolling average of percent of positive cases, for example, in the United States, 
that has actually started to roll over. It's just one early stat on the on the Delta variant. Uh, but you know, this the situation we have like last week. I think we really had a case where people were worried that we were headed towards stagflation, where the growth would slow but the inflation would stay strong. And then we had the Fed minutes, which are from now four weeks ago, come out when when the picture was better and sound hawkish. And I think that that was a lot of factors that spooked people last week. But, you know, we don't expect, for example, that the Fed is going to be as hawkish if, you know, the Delta variant is slowing that growth or preventing the consumer confidence. And so there's a lot of forces counteracting each other here. And I think if that inflation proves to be transitory, as we believe, then the Fed is going to have a lot of latitude to move very slowly with any tightening of their policy measures. Is the market all about the Fed right now, Mark? I mean, is there other things that do it or really is it, by the way, the BOJ, Bank of Japan, European Central Bank? I mean, if you had to sort of rank the importance of central bank support for global equities, where would it fall right now? Is it number one with a bullet? Number one is COVID. Number two is, I think, the central bank support. And then number three is fiscal stimulus. And we, you have to watch all three of those, and they play out in different ways. And I think that the, the central bank story is not just about the Fed. I think the Fed is by far setting the pace globally But as we see some of these other central banks get a bit more hawkish, say, for example, in the UK, that could create an FX story. And we'd be looking for currencies uh, that where where the end of taper or or the end of uh, or or potentially even rate hikes are in the offing as as a new story as we enter the back half of the year. Where is the best place to invest globally right now? The United States? Or somewhere else? I would say the way we would frame it is reflation trade. That means financials. It means uh, materials. And it means energy. And then divert. If you're, if for U.S. investors, I would say think about playing that reflation trade globally. For example, as I mentioned, towards Japan. Mark Hayfley, big in Japan and maybe getting bigger if you are right. Mark, we appreciate you coming on and kicking off the week this morning. Thank you very much. All right, when we come back on this very busy Monday, your morning's big money movers, including Bitcoin's bounce back above 50K. Plus, Fed Chair Jay Powell landing a key endorsement as this week's key Fed event gets the all virtual treatment. And later on, the storm that battered New England as the Northeast starts to dry out from Henri. A very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange rolls on right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones... Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. 
At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome back. It is time now for your big money movers, the three key stock or money stories of the morning. Well, stock number one is a stock that is General Motors and Chevy Bolt owners. Listen up. GM is expanding its recall of the electric car, all due to a fire risk. The recall now includes every Bolt model ever made and is expected to cost GM an additional $1 billion to replace potentially defective batteries. Number two, two stocks, Uber and Lyft. A California judge rejecting a law that would have allowed them to treat their drivers as independent contractors rather than employees. Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash, as well as others, spent more than $200 million to support Proposition 22. That was a ballot measure last year that passed, but a judge says it is unconstitutional, part because it unfairly hampers the ability of elected officials to set worker pay. And finally, it's not a stock, but it's Bitcoin. And look at Bitcoin go, bouncing back, back above 50000 up 1500 right now to 50257 all those cryptos get some very new love from buyers. Cryptos all higher across the board. All right, on deck, your morning RBI and what Google reveals about the places in America that may be the most concerned about COVID right now. And here's a hint. It may not be where you think. We're back right after this. Today's big number. billion. That's how much deal-making in the tech sector jumped to in the first half of the year, according to data from Refinitiv, a new record. That's more than tripled the same period in 2020. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. All right, welcome or welcome back. Let's get a check down this morning's other key headlines, including some devastating flooding in Tennessee, leaving more than 20 dead. NBC's Philip Menes in New York now with that and more. Philip, good morning. Yeah, Brian, good morning to you. Yeah, in Tennessee, flash flooding turned tragic. The rushing water from a storm on Saturday has been linked to at least 21 deaths and at least 20 more people are still unaccounted for. Most of the devastation hit the small town of Waverly. That's about 75 miles west of Nashville. The Humphreys County Sheriff told our Nashville affiliate that two of the victims appeared to be twin toddlers who were swept away from their father. The National Guard and local emergency services are now working through back roads to assess the damage and search for the missing. 
The New England Patriots helped out with another humanitarian mission. The team plane was loaded up with supplies and volunteers to join the earthquake relief effort in Haiti. Saturday's shipment included food, medicine and equipment. The flight also carried to the island ER doctors, nurses and infrastructure specialists. Back in May, the Patriots plane was used to deliver COVID vaccines to El Salvador. And in baseball, it was an historic day for Detroit Tiger slugger Miguel Cabrera. That six-inning swing to the opposite field in Toronto gave the former MVP his 500th career home run, making him the 28th big leaguer to achieve that feat. Cabrera is the first player since David Ortiz in 2015 to hit his 500th. He is also chasing his 3,000th career hit. He is just 45 shy of that mark. We're watching a future Hall of Famer in the twilight of his career. Still uh, racking up those accomplishments, Brian. Listen, you get Detroit, the Tigers, you, you got to have something to cheer for. Congratulations to Miguel Cabrera. I mean, the guy seems like he's been playing <laughs> since I was a teenager. I mean, it's right. pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, about 18 seasons now, something like that. He started when he was like 20 years old or something in that World Series. Uh, I think it was against the Yankees back in 03. So, yeah, he's been at it for a while. You were six. <laughs> Philip Mena, thank you. All right. Appreciate it, my friend. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. See ya. All right, still on deck. The desperate rush to get out of Afghanistan as Biden now asks U.S. airlines to send planes to the region to help get people out. And just a gentle nudge, if you have not already, follow our podcast on all the available podcasting platforms, and it's called Worldwide Exchange. Dow Futures up more than 100. Bitcoin. Back above 50,000. A lot of green on the screen. We're back right after this. Your Monday money looking strong. Stock futures, they are higher once again as the market looks to do something it has not done in five years. In D.C., Democrats desperate to get a $3 trillion social spending package passed. As some party members and the public start to push back and deal with the growing crisis in Afghanistan. And former Fed heads throwing their weight behind Jay Powell to remain as chair of the Fed, even as the central bank bails on its big event this week. It is Monday, August 23rd, and this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Monday morning. I am Brian Sullivan. Thanks for joining your mor- joining your morning, he said. Thank you for joining us on this Monday morning. That's a very Monday thing that I just did. Why not? All right. Why don't we get right now to your Monday money, he said. Stock futures, whatever flub I've got, they're looking strong. Dow futures up 131 or about two-tenths of 1%. All this Rolling into a red-hot market. Yeah, we were down a touch last week. But overall, the major averages, the big ones, everything but small caps, actually, they are higher in August. It's an interesting chart. All right. Also want to check the cryptos. Bitcoin climbing back above 50,000. We're seeing a lot of strength. Ether, it's up 5%. Look at Ripple and XRP, up 7%. A lot of momentum behind the cryptos as of late. All right, that's here. Why don't we go around the world now and get a look at the early trade in Europe, which is also looking very strong. Giovanna Bersecchi is in London with, again, look at that, 1%, almost 2%, green everywhere behind you, Giovanna. 
Yeah, it's looking pretty good today, Brian. This after a quite a negative week for the stock 600 last week with the index down about one and a half percentage points. It's worst week since February. Today, things have turned around. You can see all of the major bourses are actually trading nicely in the green. We had a whole bunch of PMI numbers come out this morning, coming pretty much in line for Eurozone as a whole. A small dip from July, but still showing that business activity in the Eurozone is very strong. Not so much the case in the UK, where the PMIs did come slightly disappointing relative to expectations uh, dragged down by the services sector. But the reaction on the FTSE 100 is limited. You can see the UK index is still up about four tenths of a percentage point. Sainsbury is one of the names we're watching very closely there. That stock is up about 12 percentage points. Some U.S. private equity firms have started hovering around that name as well. So something to keep an eye on. Cacahont in France up about two-thirds of a percentage point, seeing a nice rebound in some of the luxury stocks today. They got massively beaten down last week on some of the China stories that emerging. So that is also something investors are watching closely in Europe. And then Zetrodax in Germany up about a tenth of a percentage point. Here we're watching the political polls very closely with CDU, the center-right party, which is led by Angela Merkel, and SPD, the center-left party, now neck and neck in the polls. The elections are five weeks away, so keep an eye on how that one evolves. Uh, and uh, just a very quick look at the, the sectors, the sector breakdown. You can see that uh, we have a couple of sectors trading in the red, mostly defenses, but up at the top we've got retail up 1.3%. And then a nice rebound in oil, you can see, uh, after that big, big drawdown we had last week with the uh, commodity complex down about 8, 9 percentage points. Yeah, Jumana, the U.S. dollar has been very strong, and of course that hurts things like oil priced in dollars. But speaking of currency, before we let you go, I want to uh, turn to something that you know mm-hmm. by heart, basically, you know, you're the country of your birth, and that is the growing crisis in Lebanon. I see your tweets about it. You talk about it. Uh, over the yeah. weekend, Lebanon raising fuel prices, gasoline, by more than 50 percent, literally overnight. Uh, yeah. What can you tell us yeah. about Lebanon right now where the currency is, is effectively worthless and, and the country's economy is, yeah. is uh, in, in just a, a tremendously sad state? Yeah, you know, thanks for asking the question, Brian. I think the context here is really important. Lebanon is is going through a severe political and economic crisis. The World Bank has called this one of the worst economic crises since the 1850s. About 75% of the population are currently living under the poverty line. So that's just to give you the context of what's going on. But this fuel shortage that you've been talking about was precipitated by the central bank announcing about a month ago that they do not have the funds anymore to keep subsidizing fuel at the rates that they've been doing so for the past uh, couple of decades or so. And so on the back of that, you saw a lot of hoarding behavior on the part of distributors, on the part of uh, some of these uh, filling uh, gas stations. And this has led to massive turmoil in the space. You see miles-long queues. You see people queuing up for hours on end to fill up their cars. And the worst thing about it is that the black market rate that's being offered to the people who are filling up their cars is about six times the rate uh, that is the official rate. And uh, this wedge has led to massive uh, issues, even to the extent that a week ago we saw about 20 people lose their lives because of fights that broke out around the gas stations. So it is a really precarious and very sad situation. Uh, Hopefully they'll come to some agreement soon, but it looks as though the subsidy price level will be lifted. Whether it goes to market rate remains to be seen, and the impact it's going to have on the economy, again, another massive question, Brian. Yeah, you hear stories about people literally taking gym bags full of cash, or if they have American dollars, using that just to pay for something, because tomorrow 
the value of the money may be cut in half. A truly humanitarian and economic disaster there. Jumana Versace, thank you very much. All right, now some of this morning's top stories stateside, including J-PAL getting some support from one former Fed chief for another term as the current Fed chief. Contessa Brewer is back now with more on that and more. Contessa. Yeah, so Brian, former Fed chief and current Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is apparently going to give her endorsement for Powell to hold on to another term. According to Bloomberg, Yellen has told senior White House advisors she favors renominating Powell, whose current term ends in February. Well, the Treasury Secretary's support would be a big boost for Powell because she's run the Fed herself. The State Department, by the way, in other news, has reportedly been hit by a cyber attack. In recent weeks, uh, we're told the hack did not disrupt operations in any way, but we are not getting a full picture of the extent of the breach and whether there are ongoing risks to any operations. A State Department spokesperson tells CNBC they can't discuss the nature or scope of the alleged cybersecurity incidents. And the Pentagon is ordering U.S. commercial airlines to provide planes to help speed up evacuation efforts in Afghanistan. Those planes will not fly into Kabul. Instead, they'll be used to transport evacuees from military bases or transit hubs in Europe and the Middle East. That order involves 18 aircraft total from American Airlines, Delta, United, Atlas Air, Omni Air, and Hawaiian Airlines. Brian? All right, Contessa Brewer. Contessa, thank you very much. All right, now to the growing crisis in Afghanistan and concern in Congress about whether it will hurt President Biden's domestic agenda. This as House Democrats return to Washington to try to push President Biden's agenda forward, all with some growing divisions within the party itself. For more on all this, let's tie it in, bring it back to the markets, and bring in Jimmy Pethokoukas, American Enterprise Institute economic policy analyst and a CNBC contributor. Jimmy, uh, needless to say, uh, Afghanistan was not the disaster that the president and Democrats in Congress were hoping to see. Uh, absolutely not. Um, this was a, you know, this, you know, all the things you figure might go right or wrong over the coming year. This was not on the list. And I'll, and I'll be I'll be I'll be honest. This is why some of the moderates uh, in the Senate and the moderates in the House have been sort of so have been urging to move quickly on this infrastructure bill. Listen, you have a tied Senate. You have a very narrow House majority. You have a complicated infrastructure bill and a, and a complicated uh, social spending bill. Two huge complicated bills that you want to pass really uh, very, very quickly. You know, you don't want something to go wrong. And now something is going wrong. And if that something results among all the other sort of downsides and human suffering, if that results in weakened support for Biden, which endangers either of these bills, uh, that that is that has huge impacts on the U.S. economy and the Democrats uh, electoral chances in 2022. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's why it matters from a political perspective. Obviously, it's a humanitarian disaster. We've got to get Americans and American allies out of there. My, my friend's son, by the way, is in Bahrain on his way in the army to Afghanistan. So we're actually putting some troops there. God bless all of them, by the way. And we hope for their safety. Uh, What we forget is that this is the narrowest congressional divide in modern American history. You got to go back at least 150 years to find when the Senate 
and the House were almost exactly split 50-50. Literally, Senate is 50-50, the House, a couple of votes. There is no margin of error. Do you think the moderate Democrats will start flexing some of their power with regards to this $3 trillion social spending plan that the president and some more progressives want to pass? I think things are going to continue to proceed. Uh, as I think basically as Speaker Pelosi wants, at least for the moment, which means this week uh, they'll move forward on the social spending bill. I, I don't think the moderates are going to end up holding that up. But listen, the, the, Trump, the Trump tax cuts, which you know Republicans basically agreed on, I mean, that's what Republicanism is about, that took, there was a lot of back and forth, and it took about two months, really, to get that passed. Right. That's one bill in which there was agreement. This is two bills, which are still stuff to be hashed out with a president who right now his approval rate is declining. We don't know what's going to happen in Afghanistan. It could decline a lot more. Uh, and we are not close to the finish line with either of these bills. So I would still think they're going to happen. I think there's certainly plenty of headline risk and real existential risk, yeah. I think, uh, if this thing really goes south. Well, Nancy Pelosi basically holding the whole process hostage in a way, simply saying, we're not going to vote on the Senate plan that just passed, by the way, until we know that we're going to pass the larger $3 trillion spending plan that we just talked about. But yet there are moderate Democrats, some of whom are from this area, New Jersey, your area as well, who say, we're not going to pass that unless you raise the cap on the deduction on state and local taxes, which, by the way, is effectively a tax break for wealthy Americans. I mean, how do you see this whole thing playing out? Listen, the way, listen, the moderates are fundamentally, they're not going to do something that's going to, I think, endanger the infrastructure bill, which is something they definitely want to be talking about as they w- run for re-election. You know, but that's a good point. Uh, we, this bill is the, uh, the social spending bill is going to have to be paid for. Uh, I think one way it's going to be paid for is you're, it's not going to be a $3.5 trillion spending bill. But there are real questions about that salt cap, uh, about, uh, uh, about, the corporate ta- about the corporate tax rate. I think that cap does maybe get raised a bit, which you know, progressives aren't going to like. Uh, but there are a tremendous amount of moving parts that need to be uh, tacked down in a very short period of time while, while the president is proving could be dropping. Uh, moderates are right. Uh, time really could be of the essence to get all this stuff through. Uh, and right now it's, it's not moving super fast. Yeah. I mean, not, not moving fast at all, Jimmy. And, and again, that, that salt deduction cap, which is key to a lot of our viewers here in the Northeast and sort of wealthier, higher tax areas as well. I mean, there, there, there's either going to be People putting their House seat on the line, which means that, by the way, the House may flip back to GOP in 2022 or an internal fight with Nancy Pelosi all at a time when because of Afghanistan. And by the way, the president being contradicted by his defense secretary and some other higher ranking members who are now starting to leak internal information. The Democrats, I'm not going to say they're in chaos, but it's certainly not where the party hoped to be just maybe even one month ago. All, by the way, with a backdrop of an American economy that is getting stronger by the week and makes it harder to sell larger spending packages because of a weak economy. Yeah, you know, that last point is a really good one, uh, Brian. It's what I've been saying. 
is that when, when we were talking about all this, when the economy was really in bad shape, uh, we want to do infrastructure for the long term and social spending for the long term. But it also seemed like this would be additional stimulus in a, in a really bad economy. Now, listen, those GDP reports are going to be very, very good. They're, they're good. They're going to be very good. Uh, great job reports. And it, it's going to seem as if, do we really need to do this much? Should we be focused a little bit on the deficit now since the economy seems to be a lot stronger? Again, just one of many factors sort of slowly draining away, I think, a bit of momentum from these bills. I mean, I thought that was going to happen anyway, and I certainly didn't think the Afghanistan thing would happen, which is another thing sort of eroding support for this. And that salt cap, I be, I tell you, that that is such a tough one for Democrats. I mean, it just goes completely counter uh, to what Democrats have been saying for the past four years about inequality and having the uh, having wealthy Americans pay more. It's a really tricky issue. Because because that 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 state and local tax deduction is, as I said, effectively, if you raise the cap, by the way, and in New Jersey, I know a lot of people are, that's effectively a tax break for wealthier Americans who live in areas that pay high taxes that would benefit from the deduction. Uh, The the next few weeks and months are going to be fascinating. Jimmy P, always appreciate your views. Maybe you got our vote as a new host of Jeopardy, Jimmy, as a former champion. Oh, oh. I'm Preach. throwing my weight behind. We got like 15 children. I mean, you could use a side gig. Yeah. Jimmy, thank you very For much. For whatever reason, I'll take it. Yes. All right. <laughs> All right, Jimmy. All right, coming up, just when will it stop raining? Henri, leaving parts of the Northeast literally underwater. Bill Karens is here with more on when the all-clear could be sounded. We are back right after this. All right, welcome back. Well, as many parts of America deal with continued drought, it just will not stop raining in the Northeast. And now the remains of Hurricane Henri continuing to dump more rain across the Northeast as millions of Americans now deal with flooding. Let's get to meteorologist Bill Karens for the very latest on the storm's path and what was a very soggy and remains, by the way, a soggy (laughs) uh, weekend in many parts of the Northeast. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, This storm actually may give more rainfall to areas like Connecticut and Rhode Island than yesterday when the storm made landfall. I mean, the storm is just pesky. It didn't have the punch. It weakened before landfall. That's why we did not have millions of people without power. The winds were not an issue. I mean, we're down to only, we're down less than 100,000 people without power right now, which is incredible for a landfalling system in New England with the densely populated areas. So the gray line you see on the map here shows the past path. It's almost like the storm is circling Long Island at this point, but refuses to go over Long Island. And the rain is just rotating and spiraling around it. The storm's actually located over the Catskill Mountains currently of southern New York. And all of that rain is circling through New York City once again, and it'll eventually go all the way through New England. So we still have 33 million people in flood watches. We do have some rivers in New Jersey that are in minor and moderate flood stage, and we're going to get rapid runoff because there's nowhere else for the rain to go. It just It's so soggy, the ground can't take anymore. New York City has already had over seven inches of rain with this storm. So the additional rainfall today, Central Park could pick up another inch, Hartford another inch of rain, areas of Massachusetts could pick up an additional two inches of rain, and this, of course, is on top of all the rain you've already seen. So the forecast from the National Hurricane Center does have the storm slowly drifting back through Connecticut into Massachusetts, 
Massachusetts today. It should be near Boston later on tonight and then finally exiting stays right as we go throughout the day tomorrow. So, uh, Brian, once again, have that umbrella handy in areas of the northeast by noon today. Very heavy rain heading through Connecticut. And by the evening rush hour, that heavy rain will be from Hartford heading towards Providence and Boston. So we're not done with Henri yet. Uh, by tomorrow morning, it'll be gone. Well, but that's an important point that you're making about the ground being saturated, because looking at historical data, I was looking for New Jersey because I was talking to my wife and saying it just will not stop raining. I don't mean this weekend. I mean, all summer long in certain counties of New Jersey, they're five and six inches above the annual average for rain. And this is true with Connecticut and other parts. Right, Bill? So it's basically you've got all this coming on ground which is already completely saturated, and rivers and runoffs, which are already full. The problem is there's nowhere for the water to go. Yeah, Central Park is eight inches above their annual average right now, and we're on pace for a top 10 uh, heaviest annual rainfall uh, in Central Park. So, uh, And it's been widespread, as you said, through the Northeast. Uh, these downpours today will cause additional flash flooding, even if it's only an inch of rain, because there's just there's nowhere for it to go. Eight inches above the average as well. And it's amazing, too, Bill, because so many, they would love out west to have just a little bit of this rain. Bill Karens, we appreciate it. And by the way, Bill, thank you very much. And by the way, before we let Bill go, I want to say thanks. I was driving east on I-80 from, you know, Pittsburgh to Stroudsburg yesterday or this weekend on I-80. And I passed, these are pictures I took, uh, trying to keep all safety laws, by the way, while driving. Hundreds of utility trucks, Kiowa Power, Pack Power, Res, many others I forgot to name from Missouri, Indiana, Ohio, Colorado, all driving east to go to New Jersey in the Northeast to help out with the storm damage, bring our power back on. These are literally people that are leaving their families to go help out strangers. And these are pictures I took. And I just want to say thanks to everybody. Uh, This is really a lot of negative stuff out there. This is America at its best. People driving thousands of miles in some cases to help out strangers. Shout out to all of them. All right. On deck, Grace Capitals. Kate Faddis is back to lay out the trading week ahead and some stock names you may have never heard about before. And your morning RBI and the surprising spots that Google shows people are the most concerned about COVID right now. It's probably not where you think. And a reminder, make sure to catch CBC's Evolve live stream on retail. Tomorrow kicks off 1 p.m. Eastern with CEO Coles and Chewy. Still register at cnbcoffense.com slash evolve. We're back right after this. It is time for today's most random but interesting thing. And this morning, it is all about the COVID Delta variant and your interest in it specifically. Now, interest is high across much of the country for obvious reasons. But some areas have much more interest than others. And we know that through Google search trends. In fact, searches for Delta variant are very high in specific areas. But what's interesting is that the areas really don't have a whole lot in common. Here are the top five areas for the search as ranked by Google. Number five is California. They've had a big outbreak, so that makes sense. Followed closely by Missouri, similar there as well, and Arkansas. But look at Vermont. Vermont, by the way, the most vaccinated big state in America, or big state, state in America, with the second most searches as indexed 
by Google for that. But the most is our nation's capital. D.C., according to Google, has the highest interest level. One reason, maybe, is that D.C. has had a huge jump in cases, up 1,100% since July 1st. One of the worst increases in America. The good news, though, if there is any, is that hospitalizations have not followed suit, down just about 70% since their peak on January 10th. By the way, D.C.'s Delta variant search indexing is nearly twice as high for the term as a state like Wyoming. But D.C., leading the nation there. Not in the way you want. Random, but interesting. And of course, COVID is on the minds of investors and the market as well. Many are concerned that the roaring 20s boom could be dialed back. Now, despite this, markets just keep making new highs. Let's talk about all of this with Kate Faddis, founder and CEO of Grace Capital. Kate, uh, we had a stat, by the way, which could have been our RBI, earlier in the show that we have not had a 5% pullback in 200 sessions, which is the longest streak going back five years. To what do you attribute this insane market strength lately? Brian, thank you for having me. I think you have to conclude it's the Fed. The, the markets don't make sense because if the Fed has been pouring money into the U.S. economy. There's also a lot of foreign money coming in. Remember, 10-year bonds in Germany, negative 50 basis points. Equivalent rates in Japan are also negative. There's just been supply and demand, Brian, a lot of money pouring in, and we are very concerned. We've had three very strong years in the market, despite COVID, despite a lot of questions about the economy, the GDP growth. And the market just roars up higher. Are you worried about it? I mean, the, the, and there's been no real indication yet, Kate, that, that new pops and cases. I mean, air travel is booming. Vegas is packed. Restaurants are crowded. King of Prussia Mall, by the way, yesterday in Pennsylvania, literally, this is true, literally lines to get into stores. Are you worried about the economic rebound? I am very worried about the economic rebound. And actually, it's interesting. I've seen data that airline travel is not booming. It's come back. But it's still down 65% this year versus last year, which was down 65% versus the year before. Asia travel is down even lower. So I am concerned. I am concerned about these airline stocks, these travel stocks. And you've seen that they've given up a lot of the move that they had earlier on this year. So I am concerned. So Given that, there are some uh, areas that I think are still interesting. For example, in the medical area, a lot of procedures that didn't happen last year are now happening this year. So you've seen companies like Edwards Life Sciences, Merit Medical. You've seen actually uh, Edwards was up. Revenues were up 50 percent for the second quarter year on year. Merit Medical, I would love to tell you more about that. Those revenues were up 28% year-on-year versus last year. So I'm betting on those companies where you have to use the service. You can't. You can delay your procedure for only so long. I mean, in terms of yeah, medical. Merit uh, Medical, MMSI, another name. And one thing we love about having you on, Kate, is you always bring a sense of realism, but you also bring us names, stocks that we never talk about otherwise. And that's what's fun, learning about new companies, M-M-S-I. Kate, we're watching it. Have a great day, a great week. We'll see you soon. Take care. Thank you. All right, you're very welcome. All right, and that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange on a very busy Monday, and we're leaving you with a market where the Dow futures up 140, Europe is up, Asia closed up, 
Bitcoin closed higher, back above 50,000. Even oil is up this morning. You're welcome. Squawk of the Gang are next. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.